Amen. Why don't you turn to your Bibles to Philippians chapter number 4, and we will read one verse in your hearing this morning. We will read verse number 4, and as you're turning there or scrolling there, I want to say what an honor it is for my wife Carly and I to be here at the river this morning. We are overjoyed. This is one of our absolute favorite places to come. Amen, because you guys are just so friendly and nice, and you make us feel all happy inside. Uh, we don't get that everywhere that we go. Uh, most places, the body of Christ is amazing, but there's some places they, they kind of look at me weird. I am weird. I'll just, I'll just tell you for those that don't know, I'm a little bit strange sometimes, but amen. Uh, so are you sometimes. Amen. Yes, you are. If I could just be a fly on the, I probably wouldn't want to be. Never mind. Never mind. But we're, we're so honored to be here, and we honor your leadership. We honor the pains, Pastor Josh, Sister Tiffany, and their wonderful children. I believe it's London and Brentley. Did I get that right? Okay, all right. Why don't we give them some love this morning? Do you love your leadership this morning? We love and we appreciate them. And I've already promised Brentley. Uh, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him some buckets the next time that I come. I've been promising him for a long time I, I'm going to do it, but we'll see what happens. He looked at me like, bro, you don't, you, you don't, you really don't want this, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. But we love and we appreciate them, and I'm excited. Now, I told the 9 a.m. service, and I'll tell you the same thing. I am, I am liable to get a little bit excited this morning, so... Um, if if um, if you're a little shell shocked by by someone getting excited and jumping a little bit, then just put your seatbelt on because I I'm excited about what God has given me to preach this morning, and even more so I'm excited about what I think God is going to do after His Word has been preached, and while His Word is being preached, I've been praying more and more lately. This has been my prayer. God, I want you to do what you did in the Bible. The Bible says that there were times where the apostles would be preaching, and while they were preaching, the Holy Ghost would fall on people, and people would receive God's Spirit. People would be healed. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I would be a-okay if that happened this morning. Some of you that have been seeking for the Holy Spirit, if while I'm preaching, you just all of a sudden something gets a hold of you and you begin to worship and praise God and God fills you with, that happened in the Bible and I would not mind if that happened this morning at all. I've been praying for it. Amen. I'm expecting God to do it in this place. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4. The Bible says rejoice. Someone say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I love the New Living Translation. It says it this way, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. 
I want to preach for the next few moments on this title, A Remedy Called Rejoicing. A Remedy Called Rejoicing. I believe that there are people in this room that are going through some very real tough things. It's called life. We go through things sometimes. But I want to tell you there is a remedy that we have that can get us through even the toughest of times. And it is rejoicing. It is rejoicing. Why don't you put your Bibles down? Why don't you lift your hands one more time? And let's pray together, shall we? God, I feel your presence in this room in such a real, tangible way. I pray in Jesus' name that from front to back, let every, let every piece of this building, let every, Lord, square inch of this building be filled with your power and with your glory, Lord. I pray let your seed, that, that word be that seed that gets in every heart that it may bring forth fruit. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that there would be healings and miracles and signs and wonders. Fill somebody with your spirit in this place. Lord, I pray this in the name that is above every name. I pray this in the name of Jesus. It is so. We declare it. We decree it in Jesus' name. One more time. Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A remedy called rejoicing. Since the beginning of time, man has always searched for remedies. I was reading about some remedies that man has come up with to try to overcome various ailments or diseases or disorders or things that are, that are going on. And can I tell you, we've had some very interesting ways in history to overcome some of these ailments, some very interesting remedies. Thank God for modern medicine because they would do things like if you had acne on your face, there was this old tale that you need to take a wet diaper an actual, I don't mean just water, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, like a wet diaper and place it on your face. And that would be the remedy for bad acne. I'm not willing to try that. I don't care how bad my face gets. You will not catch James Wilson putting a wet diaper on his face. No thank you. Amen. I'll just pray and ask God to help me. But that's just the way that we are as human beings. We're always searching for remedies for the ailments and for the issues that we have in life. And growing up, I had this ailment. I had this issue that I had that, that honestly was a generational curse, so to speak. It was something that plagued my family, well, just all throughout history. I mean, you could probably trace the lines back far, far generations, far back from, uh, from, from before I was even thought of. And we had this problem. And that is this. The ailment that has plagued my family for generations is we are somewhat challenged in the stature department. Take a look at my dad. My dad is about this height. My mom is about this, now I'm joking, she's about this height. I have a sister, matter of fact, that's 4'11". She's 31, I think now Tiffany is, 4'11", 31 years old. 
It's funny. She has her master's degree. She teaches at a university, Spanish. She's a brilliant girl. But if you see Tiffany right now, it's like, oh, she's got to be in about the ninth grade. Nope. She is 30-plus years old. She is just short. But I remember growing up thinking, Lord, if you ever have done a miracle before, I need you to do a miracle in my life. I cannot be short. Lord, you can do anything else. You can give me what I just cannot do it. I can't do it. I, if you want me to live for you, I need you to give me some height because if not, I might not. My faith is gone. It's shot. Just be honest with you, Lord. And so it was the perpetual prayer of my heart. God, please do not let me, send me a remedy. I don't want to be short. And lo and behold, one day I came into contact with a man that changed my life forever. His name was Brother Gunter. Brother Gunter came by our church and he was an evangelist and he was preaching. And, and it was always awesome because I would look at Brother Gunter, a towering six foot frame and think, man, Lord, one day I'm going to be as tall as Brother Gunter. You're going to do it. A miracle is going to happen. And I'll never forget it. Brother Gunter, one day he and I were talking. I said, Brother Gunter, how did you get so tall? He said, I will tell you how. I'm glad you asked. He said, my freshman year of college, I was all four, but four foot 11. I said, you have got to be kidding. He said, no, my freshman year of college, I was four foot 11, shortest guy in the entire college. He said, but I began doing something that is the remedy for shortness. I said, please, pray thee, do tell. <laughs> he said, okay, this is what I did. He said, every morning I would get up and I would stand straight up against the wall. And I would begin to stretch up that wall. I'm looking at him like, What? Is that it? He said, yes, I promise you that's it. I would just get up against the wall and I'd do this, just kind of like as tall as you can get without, you know, getting on your tiptoes. You want to keep your feet flat on the ground, your back flat up against the wall, and just stretch. I mean, stretch as much as you can. He said, I promise you, if you will do this every single day, you will be tall. I was like, Okay, thank you, Jesus. I have found it. I found it. I believed it. With I found the remedy for shortness. And so you know what I did? Yes, I did. Every single day, I would close my door because I wasn't about to let my family know I was doing this. You know, I got four sisters, and they are brutal. You know, you know. I would have heard it every single day of my life. What are you doing? But I would get in that room, close the door, and I get flat up against the wall right in front of my bed, and I would begin to stretch because I knew that if I stretched, perhaps the remedy would be found for my shortness and I would not be short. And as you can tell, I may not be the tallest person in the building, but y'all, God did a miracle in my life. I stand here before you six feet tall. I claim every bit of those inches. God did a miracle. <laughs> God did it. You're looking at him. Some of y'all, y'all, you're looking for a miracle. You're looking at one right now. I'm telling you. It's a miracle that I am the height that I am. And it was all because Brother Gunter gave me the remedy for my situation. I know I'm making light of a situation, but can I tell you, some of you, it's not a light situation that you're dealing with right now. Some of you are really dealing with some things that you need a remedy for. I'm talking about depression specifically heaviness. 
Some of you are hurting. You're in a deep, dark place right now, and you feel as if there is no way out of where you are right now. You feel like there is no hope. You feel like all hope has, has been lost and that God has forgotten about you, and, and there is no way that God can ever reach down in your situation and turn it around. But I've just come with a simple word for you today. There is a remedy for the place that you are in right now. There is a way out of heaviness. There is a way out of fear. There is a way out of anxiousness. There is a way out of the shackles that you are in right now. And that remedy is called rejoicing. Turn to your neighbor and say rejoicing. Rejoicing is the remedy that you have been searching for in this room. Can I tell every single person that's in this place that has never come into the house of God and truly begin to rejoice, there is power when you begin to rejoice. There is something that happens in the spirit realm when you begin to magnify and lift up the name of Jesus. Can I just tell you, it is not the will of God that you be heavy. It is not the will of God that you be depressed. It is not the will of God that you walk in fear and anxiety 24 hours a day, seven days of week. It's the will of God that you be free. It's the will of God that you have joy and peace. Come on, it's the will of God that you have the joy of the Lord as your strength in this place. God is in this room to remind somebody there's freedom here. There's deliverance here. There is joy here. There is a remedy, and it's called rejoicing. So for the next few moments, I'm just going, I'm just going to, from the word of God, preach to every single heavy person, every single person that's dealing with hopelessness and despair. You feel like God is has all but forgotten about you. I'm preaching to you this morning and I'm telling you I have a remedy that can be found in the word of God and it is rejoicing. The apostle Paul writes the book of Philippians. He's writing from prison. Now if you search do some research into the book of Philippians, you know that they refer to this book as the book of joy. Its principal topic is joy. Now, I want you to think about this. Paul is writing this letter from a prison cell, and he's writing mostly about joy. Now, I don't know about you. If I was in a prison cell somewhere, I probably would not be prone to encourage my brother or my sister. I might be prone to say a few things that probably I shouldn't say if I was in a prison cell somewhere. Y'all are looking at me like I got three heads. Some of you know that you'd be the same way right now. Oh, if you were in a prison cell, you'd be down, depressed, mad, sad, all the things. But Paul understood this. Even though I'm in a prison cell right now, I understand the way that I get out of this thing. I understand how I get through all the pain and the heartache that I'm dealing with right now. The way that I do that is I begin to have joy. I begin to rejoice. 
That's why Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul is saying, I'm not telling you to do something that I am not acquainted with. I'm sitting here in prison. You know where I'm at. And it's real tough sometimes to rejoice with these chains on me. It's sometimes real tough to give God glory when I got all this stuff going on. I've got cat of nine tails that have been whipping me on my back. But you know what? I've made a decision. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. Because I know when I rejoice... I know when I give God glory and praise, I can't stay depressed longer. I know when I give God glory and honor, I can't stay overwhelmed longer. When I begin to lift up the name of Jesus, depression, anxiety, fear begin to leave. That's why Paul said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul said, for those in the back that didn't hear me the first time I said it, I got to run it back and say it again. Always rejoice. Always be full of joy. Can I tell somebody, you have to always rejoice. It's not just enough to rejoice when everything is going good, when there's money in the bank, you and the kids are doing well, you and the spouse are doing well. No, you got to rejoice when there's no money in the bank, when you're fighting with your kids and your spouse, when everything, come on, when your body is not sick when you don't that's the best time to rejoice rejoice in the Lord always because can I tell you the more you rejoice the more he's going to lift you up out of that despair the more you rejoice the more he's going to lift you up out of that depression there is a remedy and it is your rejoicing tell your neighbor it's your rejoicing what is rejoicing what is it Can I tell you what the definition of rejoicing is? Rejoicing is defined as this. An expression or a sound of joy. It's an expression. See, some of you, you're looking at me right now, you're saying, Brother James, I know how to rejoice. I'm just a very quiet. Matter of fact, I'm a silent rejoicer. No, no, no. That's not what the definition is. The definition says rejoicing is a sound. It's an expression of joy. You cannot rejoice silently. No, you don't understand. I really can't. No, you don't understand. You really can't. If you are going to rejoice, there's got to be something that comes out of your mouth. If you're going to rejoice, there's got to be something that happens with your hands and with your feet. When you Simply put, rejoicing is your praise. Rejoicing is your voice saying hallelujah. Rejoicing is your hands clapping. Rejoicing is your hands raising. When you begin to praise God, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Praise always. And again, I say praise. When you're, come on somebody, when everything's going well, keep praising. When everything isn't going well, keep praising. When everything in your life is good, praise. And when everything's going wrong, praise. No matter what happens, you must rejoice. There must be a sound and expression. I've come today to preach in defense of the praise for all of those that say it don't take all of that. It don't take all of that. Y'all doing too much. Y'all extra. It don't take all of that. Acting a fool in the house of God is a holy place. I'm about to get in the book, y'all. 
it does take all of that. See, that's why some of y'all ain't free because you think it don't take, yes, it does. Can I tell you that I'm trying to help you. The key to you getting what God has for you in this room is you saying, you know what? I can't explain it. It doesn't always make sense. But when I begin to lift up Jesus, something begins to change in my life. I got some witnesses in this room that can testify. I shouldn't be here, but I came into the presence of God and I began to worship him. And he set me free from addiction. He set me free from anxiety. He set me free. Come on, I learned to rejoice. I learned to praise God. And when I did, the chains came off. You ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to put into practice some rejoicing in this room. Come on. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, there's a rejoicing on my lips. There's a praise in my mouth. There's a sound of worship. Oh, that's it. Somebody just praise him for a little bit. Somebody rejoice in the Lord. And again... And again, and again, I say rejoice. Yes. I've come to preach from this book. This is, now listen, I love shouting, worshiping, jumping, praising, doing all that stuff. But can I tell you, this is not something that spirit-filled churches just made up. It's right here. I'm going to prove it to you. There is something to this praise thing. You say, what is your aim? What is your goal this morning? It is very simple. I'm not trying to hide it at all. My goal this morning is to get you to praise and worship God like you have lost your mind. I'll be 100% honest. I'm not hiding it. This is not, this is not a bait and switch. Ain't not, this, I'm just telling you. I, I, my goal and my desire this morning is for you to move beyond the chains that have been holding you for so long because the enemy is telling you it, it, it does no good for you to do anything. It, it's just always going to be this. The devil is a liar. It's not always going to be this way. There's freedom in this room. Your family will not always be broken. There's deliverance in this room. Depression will not always keep your life in chains and in shame. No, there's freedom in this place when you praise. There's deliverance in this room when you worship. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What do you do when your back is against the wall, when people betray you, when there's hurt, when there's pain? What do you do? You have to rejoice anyhow. You have to make a decision. As a matter of fact, the time you should praise God the most is when everything is going wrong in your life. That's the time. Because praise is the remedy to lift you out of that. We find in 1 Kings that David, the king of Israel, that great king of Israel, is in a very similar predicament to that which I just described. David is in a situation where his family, his own family, has turned their backs on him. The Bible says that his son Adonijah has anointed himself as the next king of Israel while David is literally on his deathbed. David is laying in his deathbed, feeble, 
barely able to lift his head up. And, and, and Adonijah knows this, and he sees this as a moment to take advantage of his weak and feeble father, and he literally snatches away the kingdom from David. But the Bible says David does not get depressed. It doesn't talk about how David just says, well, this is the way it's going to be. It's, there's nothing I can do now. I'm weak and feeble, laying on my deathbed. Might as well just lay here and die, and it's over, and Adonijah will have the kingdom, and it's just, it's just, it's over. No, the Bible says that, 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 that King David does something very specific. The Bible says that King David calls together the priest, Zadok. He says, Zadok, here's what we're getting ready to do. In response to what has happened in our life, something bad has happened, Something heavy has happened. Something terrible has happened. But here's how we will respond. See, you got to make up your mind how you're going to respond when life throws unexpected curveballs at you. And it is how you respond in that moment that will define what you will ultimately have in your life. David says this is how we will respond when everything is going wrong and when people turn their backs on us and curse us. This is how we're going to respond. He says, go get Zadok the priest and take the horn of oil and I want you to anoint Solomon as the next king. And he said, we're not going to stop there he says I want you to go get the trumpet and get all the people and I want you to let them begin to lift up a sound listen to what it says in verse number 40 and all the people came up after him and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy David says, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to weep over this thing. I'm not going to pout over this thing. This is how we will respond. We will rejoice. My family has betrayed me. My family has turned their back on me. My own son has taken the kingdom away from me. But I am not going to allow heaviness to rule and reign in my life. I've got a praise on the inside, and it's getting ready to come out. I'm getting ready to rejoice. I'm getting ready to praise and worship the name of can I tell somebody the remedy is rejoicing? The remedy through hard times is to rejoice. The remedy through tough times is to begin to magnify and worship the name of Jesus. I, I'm going to help somebody right now. L listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that they rejoiced with great joy. Someone say great joy. Ooh, it was an average joy. It wasn't just, just your average run-of-the-mill joy. No, it was great joy. I believe they were having just a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost party. I mean, they were getting with the program. And the Bible, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, so great was their rejoicing. Verse number 40, if they have it, put it up. 1 Kings 1 and 40. So great was their rejoicing. The Bible says, so that the earth rent. With the sound of them. Now, for those of you that don't speak fluent King James E's like me, let me break down for you what that means. The Bible says that the earth rent. That literally means the earth began to shake and tremble because their rejoicing was so great. I just got a simple question for you. I'm going to keep it pushing. When's the last time your praise was so great that it began to shake the enemy's kingdom around you? Yeah, I, let me tell you something. Paddicate me for Jesus. Praise is a praise that shakes the, come on. Praise that shakes the foundations of hell is great. 
You ought to lift up your voice right now. And you ought to lift up some great praise. You ought to lift up praise so loud that it begins to shake the foundations. You ought to lift up rejoicing so loud that it begins to shake. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, and not just average rejoicing, but great joy. But great joy. Great joy that shakes the foundations of hell. Great joy that shakes. Come on, there's a shaking going on in this room. There's something, there's something moving in this room because the people of God have made up their mind. I will rejoice. Oh, you ought to take about 15 seconds and do that. You ought to rejoice with great joy. Come, there ought to be a smile on your face. There ought to be a dance in your spirit. There ought to be some clapping of your hands. There ought to be some, why are you, why are you rejoicing? Because I know God is doing something. They may have turned their back on me. They may have cursed me. But I still have a praise on my lips. Oh, my goodness. They literally begin to shake the foundation with praise. The ground begin to shake. And here's the part that I love. The Bible lets us know that Adonijah, David's son and now adversary, was off some ways. He was sitting there at dinner. He had all of his distinguished guests there. They were there having a good time because they thought they had won the victory. Woo, we finally got the kingdom away from us. What a terrible son, by the way. Let me just say that again. You're sitting there having a congratulatory dinner that you have just stripped everything your dad ever worked for away from him. Like, what a terrible son. But they're sitting there. And the Bible says all of a sudden, Adonijah begins to feel something. I can imagine, I just got a wild imagination. I could just imagine that, that the water is sitting there on the table and all of a sudden it begins to shake, begins to spill over out on the... Adonijah's like, what in the world is going... Is that the sound that I think it is? Is that the sound of those people that I thought I had taken out and destroyed? Is that the sound of a marriage that I thought I had destroyed? Is that the sound of them in the house of God praising God? Is that the sound of somebody who I thought was so deep in depression they was never going to? Is that the sound of the person I stole their joy and their peace and their happiness? Is that the sound that I hear? Come on, there's a shaking in this place right now. There's a shaking in this the enemy thought he had you, but devil, let me just tell you, this is the sound that you hear. It's the sound of the redeemed. It's the sound of the ones you counted out. It's the sound of the ones that you thought you had victory over. Not today, devil. There's a rejoicing in my spirit. I still got my praise. I still got my praise. I might not have everything back yet, but I still got a praise. I might not have all the joy back yet, but I still, I found a remedy, and it's my praise. You ought to praise him right now. You ought to magnify him right now. He cut.
Ooh, they're, they're sitting there. And I just said, oh, no, that can't be what I think it is. Bible says all of a sudden Jonathan, one of his servants, comes up to him. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, oh, great king Adonijah. He's like, man, skip all that stuff. What's happening? He's like, okay, um, we're in trouble. It's like, what are you talking about? He says, um, you remember David? Um, he's not as sick as you thought he was. He's not as down as he thought he was. You thought that, now listen, there are certain things that he couldn't do. Um, but one thing that we probably discounted that he could do, he can still rejoice. See, some of you on your bed of affliction right now, and there's some things you don't have the ability to do. But can I tell you something that every single person can do? If there's breath in your body, you can lift up a hallelujah. If there's still breath, come on, let everything that has breath. I might not be able to do everything that I used to do. I might not have the strength to do, but I can, I can muster a hallelujah. I can clap my hands. And that's all I need to take the victory back. That's all I need to give God glory. That's all I need. Come on. You got what it takes. I still got my praise. I still got my worship. He said, they've done it. He said, they... They brought Solomon, he says, and they've anointed him as the next king of Israel is over. We thought we had them beat. We thought they would just crumble and die. We thought they would just wilt under the pressure. But it's brought something out of them. We thought that it was over, but it's the, it's the fire that is truly revealed. They're not alone, now, but there's a fourth in the fire. Come on, it, it, it's the trial that is revealed to them that even when you're sinking beneath the waves, all you got to do is just say the name of Jesus and he'll pick you up. And Come on, somebody. The enemy thought it would take you out, but here you stand with your praise, with your worship. I'm still here. I'm hurrying. Bible says, he comes up to him, he says, yes. Your worst nightmare has happened. They brought Zadok the priest. They brought everybody. They brought the pipes and the organs and the trumpets. And they're having a Holy Ghost. It's happening. They're throwing a party. He said, listen. He said, and they are come up from thence rejoicing. And I like this part. He said, so that the city rang again. He said, this is a sound that you've heard. You know what that means? If the city rang again, that means there was one point in time the city was not ringing. See, there was one point in time where the enemy has tried to silence your praise. It might be today. It might have been the last few months. But I, I feel in the Holy Ghost right now that for somebody, the city is getting ready to ring again. I feel for somebody, so it's been quiet, it's been silent, the sound of praise hasn't been there for months, but I feel in my spirit that it's getting ready to ring. 
You tried to silence this house and make it a house of depression, fear, and anxiety, but I declare my house is going to be a house of praise. I declare my car is going to be a car of praise. Come on. I may be going through it, but I will not weep. I will not cry. I will rejoice. Come on. I'm telling somebody it's time for the city to ring again. Come on, the river. It's time for the river to ring like it's never rung before. It's time. Come on, it's time for thick father ring till every captive hears, till every sinner hears. There is hope. It's time for it to ring. You ought to lift up your voice. Lift up your praise. Let it ring. Let it ring. Let it ring. Let it ring. Come on. Till every backslider hears, uh, there's still hope in this house. Uh, Till every addict hears, uh, there's still hope in this house. Uh, Let your praise, uh, let your worship, let it ring. That's it. That's it. Somebody just praise them. I feel Lord moving in this room. I feel freedom in this room. Come on, somebody's getting it right now. Somebody's getting it right now. Come on, I found the remedy. I came into this place heavy, but I'm getting ready to leave light. I came into this place overwhelmed, but I'm getting ready to leave free. I came into this place hopeless, but I feel my hope. I feel my help coming. That's it. Lift up your voice and give him praise one more time all across this room. Come on, let me hear your voice. Yes. Yes. Here's where I'll end. This is, this is why we praise the way that we do. For every person, maybe you've never been around a spirit-filled church like this, and you wonder why in the world we praise the way that we do. Let me give you the first reason. We praise because he's worthy. That's the number one reason why I give God praise and worship. He's worthy. But number two, I give God praise and worship because whenever I do, Something begins to happen in me. And not only in me, something begins to happen in the atmosphere around me. Praise is a powerful remedy for a downtrodden, heavy atmosphere. You cannot praise God and remain heavy. You hear me? It is impossible for you to praise God and be heavy at the same time. You want me to, you want me to help, help you? This is what the Bible says in Isaiah 60, 61 and 3. Can, can they put that up, Isaiah 61 3? Listen to what the Bible says. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Listen to this. The garment of praise 
for the spirit of heaviness. What the, what the prophet Isaiah is simply saying here is this. When you begin to praise God, there is a process that happens. If there is heaviness on you, you have to first take that heaviness off. Because you can't wear praise and heaviness at the same time. I, I liken it to this. You ever seen one of those big puffer jackets before? You know what I'm talking about? Imagine trying to put one of those big puffer jackets on and then put another one on, on top of it. You can't do it. You can't wear two of those things. They, they, they don't go together. You can't have one on and have the other on. That's the way that it is with your praise. You can't have the garment of heaviness on and then try to put on your garment of praise. No, the moment that you begin to praise, there is a decision that you first make that I'm taking off my heaviness. I'm taking off my anxiety. I'm taking off my depression. I'm, I don't feel like it, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm taking it off and I'm going to I make a decision to praise the Lord. I make a decision. I, 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 I need you to hear me right now. <laughs> praise is a decision. See, most of us think that, ooh, the Spirit has to get a hold of us and then... Sometimes it happens like that, but more times than not, you get a hold of the Spirit before the Spirit gets a hold of you. You make a decision. I'm taking this off and I'm putting praise on. And when you put that praise on, that's when things begin to happen. I'll leave, I'll leave you with this, and then we're going to put it into practice. Some of you that have never clapped louder than this decibel right here, you're getting ready to clap so loud, you're about to scare your neighbor. Some of you that have never jumped and and lifted up your voice with a shout of triumph. You're getting ready to do it. But I'll leave you with this story. I was preaching. I was preaching at a youth camp last year. And there was a young lady there that you could not help but notice if you were on the platform. And I noticed the very first night that I began preaching that youth camp, this young lady was bound bound by depression, bound by heaviness, bound by fear. You could feel all of those things in the moment. And I'm not trying to be some super spiritual person. I'm telling you what I know and what I feel. I'm not just saying it to say this young lady was bound. She, she was wearing all black and, and not that all black means that you're a bad person, but it was almost as if the black was a personification of what she was dealing with. And she would just sit there and it was interesting because, you know, students at youth camps, if you've ever been to a youth camp, students are aggressive. You know, they haven't, they haven't learned the tact, and we need to teach them. Praise God. We need to help them out a little bit. But they were going over, and they were praying for this girl, and they were like, you're, you're going to, God's going to touch you this week whether you like it or not, you know. And uh, she was not having it. I mean, they were sitting there, and they were praying for this girl, and she's sitting in the chair with her arms couldn't feel anything no no life motionless just empty I thought Lord you have to do something I need the greatest miracle that would happen this week is if that young lady began to feel your presence if you could break down those icy walls that she's put around her heart and, 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 and you begin to touch her that would be the greatest miracle that we see this week Monday, nothing happened. Tuesday, nothing happened. Wednesday, nothing happened. 
They got to Thursday night. Every night they would go after her and she just was unmoved. I'll be honest with you. I'm thinking in my head, yep. Can I, can I be real? Because sometimes we don't, we don't want to be real. I'll be 100% real with you. I was thinking there ain't no way that young lady's ever going to get anything this week. It's just over for her. I've seen all I need to see. Three straight nights. I'm preaching my guts out. These young people are worshiping. There's just nothing going to happen. But I preached this, this very same message that last night at that youth camp. And yeah, the young people had praised before, but something happened. And they weren't just praising because that's just what you do at church. These young people had literally gone into spiritual warfare with their praise and with their worship. They were running and jumping and shouting and magnifying. It was so powerful in that place. Young people were getting the Holy Ghost everywhere. People were getting healed. We were, we were getting ready to baptize people. It was a powerful move of God. And all of a sudden, I looked in the very front of, of, the, of the altar area there. And I, I kind of was like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Because it's pandemonium. In the, I mean, the young people are going crazy. They're praising. And sure enough, there she was, that same young lady that for the entire first three days of that youth camp would not move one muscle, sat there stone cold. I looked and she was there in the front praising and worshiping and magnifying God with a smile on her face. And then I looked a little bit closer and I said, oh my goodness, she's speaking in tongues. God had filled that young lady with the Holy Ghost for the very first time at that youth camp. Now, I need you to understand something. The reason that that young lady was able to get complete and total deliverance was because there was an atmosphere of praise and worship that was so sincere and pure and exuberant and great. Remember, it wasn't just joy. It was great joy that the children of Israel began to worship God with when David got them all together. There was such a sound of great joy that every spirit that had held that young lady, it began to shake and tremble and it left that place. God freed her, God delivered her, and filled her with his spirit. Why? Because the young people understood there is a remedy and it's called rejoicing. There is a remedy, and it's called the clapping of my hands. There is a remedy, and it's called the lifting up of the more I praise, the more I worship, the more I lift him up, the more the chains are broken.